Madden Luke's Sci-Fi Sanctuary. The year is 3013. The galaxy is scintillating in the mellow light. Two galactic pilgrims seek out vistas in the samurai future to bring forth the unity of the cosmic shaman. Opening the door of the pantheon of mystics, the evil sorcerer wizard powers the engine of science, seeking to forever alter the sacred balance, traveling on effervescent balls of summer fire. This week, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. In the year 2020, the Rocky Horror Picture Show is 45 years old. 45, that's a special number, isn't it? It's not quite 50, which would have been great. <laughs> well, it's been like five years to do this film, so... Because today we're talking about four to five. So I'm, I'm trying to prod you. I'm trying to prick you. Oh, me into <laughs> talking about? Not about really. What? Not really. Okay, 45. <laughs> we'll just think about it. Let's, let's move on to the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, on Because <laughs> Trump is 45. Oh, I know. Yeah, I was just pushing in horrible directions. But Rocky Horror is no. a better direction to go in any case. Uh, this is Matt. Mm-hmm. I just said that. I was drinking a smoothie. Yeah, I looked over as I was saying this is Matt and saw the smoothie happening. And this is the smoothie sci fi. Huh? Yes, that's right. Welcome to our smoothie sanctuary. (laughs) I haven't had a smoothie for a long time. I guess I'm eating a lot of smoothies next week. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yes, we are talking about the Rocky Horror Picture Show. I'm a pretty knowledgeable guy about Rocky Horror, but our recurring guest today is even more knowledgeable about Rocky Horror. He is your substitute, Riff Raff. Uh, He's been here before from Gonzarific, doing his podcast, The Cinema File. Hi, Andrew Shearer. Hi, Luke. Hi, Matthew. Or Matt. Or Mott. Yeah, um, my mom still calls you Andy. Oh well, people that know me from you know from the from back in before age twelve, <laughs> twelve twelve was when I decided I was Andrew. Right, right. Uh, and I had I had a pretty. I, what do you want to know the story of that? We don't need to tell. I don't story. care. I don't care. I'm just like all your friends are cool with that, but my mom still calls you Andy. <laughs> oh, I don't. I, I some people just decide to that know me. They just decide to call me that randomly. <laughs> um. Anyway. For the Rocky Horror Picture Show, I think we need to start with Luke today, because Luke, you're a virgin. Yeah, well, so here's the thing. <clears throat> Back when I was in like my late teens and not very cool, um, my then-girlfriend was really into Rocky Horror Picture Show, and I just remember being like really lame about it. <laughs> <laughs> so you just... And, like, she went on like nights out dressed up in like all the stuff, and I, just, I think I was just a teenager, so I was very jealous. <laughs> I was like, oh, I should have just... Gone with it. Yeah, I was about to say, you should have gone. <laughs> yeah, oh, no, she, I think she, we were long distance at this point in time. But Ah, there we go. Okay. And then, yeah, I I guess I missed the opportunity to watch it then, and then just never bothered. But now you have. But so. yeah, I watched it literally this morning. <laughs> so how did it hit you? Just first impressions. Um, I can see why it's like a cult classic, because it is just so bonkers and fun. But I feel like sitting... A, 
10 a.m. on a Monday and watching it on your own is not the intended experience for watching Rocky Horror Picture Show. No, it's not. Um, Andrea, I guess we should just go straight to you with the intended experience here. Oh, well, <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's um, it's known as masturbation if one watches Rocky Horror at home. <laughs> you were baiting this morning. I mean, yeah. I did do that afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that's also. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so confused, but that's not going to deter me. <laughs> but yeah, sorry, Andrew, I'm throwing you straight in because my first impressions would basically just like, you know, coattail your first impressions. So it makes more sense to just go directly to you. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, um, I thought it was going to be a horror movie the first time I saw it. Uh, my dad took me um, when I was, I don't know, maybe like 11 something like that maybe um we were at the north lake area but it was when they had a smaller theater it was the one um, behind the mall right not the yeah one yeah the, it was yeah. right right beside the the um, punchline comedy club was where right. it was we had gone to see something else together and we were leaving that movie and we see the poster of the lips and the title which is in like kind of bloody letters so a kid sees bloody letters and goes oh god this is a scary movie but he's like, no, no, it, I've, I've heard it's like a, you know, like a musical, like it's funny. And so we stayed and watched it. <laughs> and that was also the first time that I stayed up until three in the morning. <laughs> did that have the cast? Yeah. Yes, it did. Okay. <laughs> yes, it did. It did. And um, it was like being a little shoebox with Rocky Horror at one end and us at the other. But um, I, I could I was I was afraid. Like I didn't, I wouldn't look. He had to get me to look because I seriously, I was unconvinced that it was, you know, that it was not a horror movie. I hear the thunder and lightning, and I'm going like, "You, hey, I don't want to be here," you know. But finally, I, I, you know, I hear everybody laughing and clapping and yelling and asshole and slut. <laughs> <laughs> and where, where did the the um the real the real fucking with this movie come into play? <laughs> oh, are you. What age were you? Were you 14, 15? Because you started going, like, regularly, and I started coming. I mean, this, we all did, right? So this is, Yeah, yeah. This is a hilarious story because I was not old enough to be getting into the movie. Um, so the first time I went, I was dating a girl uh, who was rich, and she and her friends all wanted to go to see Rocky Horror Picture Show. And some of them had been before, and they were like, oh, cool. So one of them was older and drove us there and bought us all tickets. Um, so, I was, yeah, I was 16 years old. And um, the next weekend, I was like, let's go to Rocky Horror again. She goes, I don't – you want to go again? And I go, yeah, isn't that the point? You just go for the rest of your life? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Every Friday and, and Saturday night, and we we broke up because I wanted to go to Rocky Horror so much. <laughs> and you didn't even get stuck in Homeward Bound. <laughs> no, that did not happen. Sorry, I have, happen to, I have to. I have to qualify that reference. Um, we were going to meet Andrew and his dad to see Army of Darkness, and the, you know, no cell phones. This is like the premiere night, and um, you know, uh, messages were mixed. The rest of us showed up late or early and had to get tickets on our own, being under age, and tried to go see Homeward Bound and then go see Army of Darkness, and then we all got the boot. <laughs> yeah, Some, someone had told them that my dad was going to get us all in. But we got there and they weren't there. And uh, he was like, "Aren't your friends supposed to meet us here?" And I was like, "Yeah." And he goes, "We're we need to get a good seat. Fuck them." <laughs> <laughs> no way was he missing Evil Dead Three. <laughs> my friends. He was like, "Sorry, man. 
So, yeah, uh, we wouldn't have the story today, would we? No. <laughs> now, now, how long did it take for you to join the Rocky Horror cast? I probably saw it uh, every Friday and Saturday night for a couple of months. So, uh, yeah, I, I saw it. Yeah, <laughs> it was a lot of times. It's somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 times. And then finally, I, uh, I, I brought my Rocky Horror songbook and wanted the cast to sign it because I was a fan of this cast and who would act out the film right in front of, you know, their back is to the screen. Later, I realized joining the cast meant you had to know the movie backwards because <laughs> <laughs> you're not allowed to look at the screen for cues. You just have to know what to do. It's and, and so uh, they looked at me like I was from like I was the one from outer space. They're like, we aren't in the movie, kid. Like, this isn't us in this book. You know that, right? And I was like, no, I think you guys are awesome. I've been coming all the time. And they were like, look, we're not signing your book. You want to just join the cast? And I said, yes. Yes, I do. And, and you, uh, that, you were that was riffraff, it. right? Uh, yeah, the only time I was not riffraff, I was riffraff for two years. Uh, and the only time I was not riffraff was when they do what is called tag team night. And on tag team night... They have uh, props that represent each character. So you start out as one character, but when someone blows the Rocky Horror whistle, everybody switches, and then you have to perform that character until the whistle is blown again. <laughs> oh, fun and games. No, I, I went quite a bit on my own. Um, I think, you know, we Andrew and I played in a band, and I think we'd play shows and go do Rocky Horror afterwards. <laughs> yeah. yeah, many so. times. So I, I do not have your track record on this one, but yeah, I've probably got a good couple dozen times in <laughs> with the with the live experience I, I stole my certificate somewhere they give you a certificate when you're there for the first time huh see you should have gone I, I, I don't think it was this i think it was just a themed night at a bar oh okay that's different yeah yeah this, this was this was a whole all kit and caboodle or, or something like that <laughs> so what was the embarrassing thing you had to do in front of the audience i don't remember do you remember no but i do remember the time where um, people brought balloons to squeak when uh, during Touch It Touch Me it's supposed to be sounding like a breast being fondled and that was apparently a noise that you hated <laughs> yeah that sounds that sounds about right <laughs> <laughs> I thought your head was going to blow up like in uh, scanners <laughs> that would have been cool yeah okay <laughs> but um, yeah I, I, I think I even remember like having to fill like I was not part of the cast but I think I was like a pinch hitter once or twice <laughs> I think all my friends ended up doing that uh, yeah. a couple of times you just they don't really give you a choice no I, I can't remember for my life which role I was doing though but oh well <laughs> I don't either I'd give you Eddie if I was casting Rocky yeah that probably sounds about right um, anyway I, I guess we'll get to the, the story of this one we, we gave the virgin here the, the the duty on this. Oh, nice. <laughs> so, off we go.
Okay, I wrote this one kind of stream of consciousness as I watched the film. That works. Janet and Brad catch the bouquet at a wedding and get engaged. Later, they're on a late night drive in a rainstorm when they get a flat tyre and are forced to go to a castle to ask, to ask for help. The castle is filled with an assortment of singing and dancing weirdos, including Igor-alike Riff Raff, Maid Magenta, Columbia and Eddie, all under the spell of Transylvanian transsexual Dr. Frankenfurter. The Mad Doctor has created life in the form of Rocky, a buff muscle man. During a musical number, Frankenfurter, through jealousy, kills Eddie. Just as Brad is getting noshed off by the Doctor, they receive word that Rocky has escaped. Brad's old pal Dr. Scott arrives just in time for Rocky to be rediscovered getting frisky with Janet. They sit down for a nice dinner, and Dr. Scott reveals he is here searching for his nephew, the fellow Dr. Frankenfurter killed earlier. The mad doc whips off the tablecloth and reveals the corpse which they had been eating. After a quick chase, Frankenfurter has everyone trapped and reveals a teleporter or something and starts turning people to stone. Okay, maybe the doctor and his assistants are from a planet called Transylvania? Anyway, Riff Raff and Magenta have had enough of this shit. Lasers start getting fired and Rocky recreates the end of King Kong. Okay, planet transsexual, galaxy Transylvania. Brad, Janet, and Scott escape as the whole castle blasts off like a rocket ship. So, for a cult movie, there's some pretty big-hitting actors here. I mean, Tim Curry is big, but he's mostly big in cult stuff. Yeah, but everyone loves Tim Curry. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but, I mean, what, what's his, like, most A-list role? Mr. Salamone in um, Clue? The Madeline. Oh, oh he's, he's, like, big four. He's Pennywise from It!, He's oh, Darkness yeah. from Legend. He is the butler from Clue, and he's Frankenfurter. I mean, he really, he's got fans of, you know, maybe that have not seen any of those others, that this, he's an icon from all of those. That's A-list enough for me. Oh, I mean, don't get wrong. Yeah, it's A-list by, like, our standards, but it's all weird genre stuff, right? Okay, the, the, the point taken. He's but not like Bruce Willis or something. People recognize him. That, oh, that's yeah, yeah, the definitely. main point. Maybe they didn't see the movies, and they recognize him. And he's a lot of memes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a whole lot of memes. Yes. Space! <laughs> um, Susan Sarandon's pretty A-list. Not oh. when she did this, of course, but... <laughs> yeah, I love Susan Sarandon in basically everything I see her in, so... Yeah. I was very pleasantly surprised when she turned up. I, loved, I didn't know much about this film, so that she was in it. No. And that's just... Yeah, I mean, she's a hot old lady, so she... Yeah. Seeing her young part was great. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Barry Bostwick, he's, he's Brad. He's been in some stuff. Uh, Andrew, could you fill us in on those, uh... 
Oh, holes. he's in some like super cheesy AE sci-fi action thing that I actually really want to watch. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I have a Barry Boswick story. How about that? Oh, go okay. on. So one of the times I saw Rocky Horror, Barry Boswick was there, and uh, he uh, there the what the virgins were doing before the movie was uh, um, the audience was giving them money to make out <laughs> with one another. <laughs> <laughs> and there were two men on the stage, and Barry Boswick ran up to the stage and laid down a hundred dollar bill for them to make out. <laughs> before and the then, movie. Uh, yeah, before the movie, and then I watched him. He was just—he's watching it a few feet from me, and uh, I'd imagine this was not his first Rocky Horror viewing. And uh, he was very old, and he—he he fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> well, I fell asleep. <laughs> no, I. I remember watching this this time. I'm like, I really super hardcore remember the beginning of the movie, and I still remember all of the script. And you know, the further we get into the movie, a little it's a little more new to me, and the less I remember the script, <laughs> <laughs> the later it gets. Yeah, <laughs> so, I think Luke is probably thinking of Megaforce. Yes, I was about to try and look that up. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> oh no, don't don't cheat. <laughs> We cheat all the well, time. We, we had that one where we were recording like the side of a mountain and we had no signal. And I couldn't remember Bill Nighy's name. <laughs> uh, yeah, you never did. I no. said you were going to. It never came back to you. I, made sure, I think I made sure when I tweeted it out to be like, by the way, I was thinking of Bill Nighy. <laughs> and, <laughs> the actor, not the science guy. Yeah. I, I guess Richard O'Brien's the, the real star here because he wrote this more or less. Yeah. Or the music. What, what, oh, what, yeah. What, what was his... Tale. I imagine you might know a bit more of that than I do. Yeah, he was just, you know, he was a theater guy, a writer, and he, yeah, he just, he kind of came up with it, and, you know, Richard O'Brien is gay, and so this whole thing is kind of a, you know, a big allegory for him, and uh, it was, yeah, he literally, that's, that's the really only thing, that's his, when he dies, that's what it's going to be, Rocky Horror Creator, this was all his songwriting and this is you know his screenplay everything like he was the you know he's the man yeah yeah i mean that's fine if you got to be known for one thing uh, <laughs> i think you can stand your ground on this one yeah yeah i mean you know i i've heard that the sequel shock treatment has its own you know hardcore fans and stuff i know a couple of them but i don't in terms of richard o'brien i don't know how much uh you know i don't know how much of that worked out i don't think people will be saying oh you know Richard O'Brien, uh, shock treatment, you know, screenplay writer. Weirdly, in my head, the sequel to this, which is not at all, because I know I know about shock treatment, but uh, it's uh, I guess Forbidden Zone. I feel is like the spiritual sequel. <laughs> yeah, that that's interesting. I I feel like uh, this has a lot in common with uh, Phantom of the Paradise, which actually came the year before, um, and um, Jessica Harper, the star of that plays janet in shock treatment right um i the the play though was also the year before the music the actual stage musical would be the same year yeah 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 okay i just want to give it its originality before noting that ziggy stardust came out three years earlier <laughs> <laughs> i knew you would bring that up yeah because i was listening on a train and before we called you i was sitting there playing ziggy stardust tracks um yeah. tim curry is Completely cool in this. He's fantastic, but you can never quite be as cool as Bowie. <laughs> Not going to happen. I mean, but, you know, Richard O'Brien was a fan of all that stuff. All that got jammed into this. You know, you. I'm, I'm certain that, uh, you know, Ziggy Stardust was an inspiration, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. What he did, I mean, 
you know, Moon Age Daydream is one of my favorite songs ever, but Time Warp's probably a little more catchy. <laughs> Gets stuck in your head a little more. Even having not seen the film, I knew Time Warp. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I was yeah. able to cover it with you like a couple days ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I made him sing along. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, how about the is the doctor anyone of note? Doctor Scott. Um, his name was um, Jonathan Adams. Yeah, he's one of the ones that you know. I've never really seen him in anything else. Yeah, I guess my main point is if they read this today, I would want to put Will Ferrell on that role. <laughs> John C. Riley earlier. Oh, John C. Riley. Excuse John me. C. Yes. Yeah, well, that, I mean that makes it more sense. In, they're a little interchangeable. Dr. Steve, yeah, there's a bit of change. Well, there's, there's stepbrothers, right? So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, my note actually did say John C. Riley. I'm, I'm, oh, because I also did minority report notes and kept writing Colin Farrell. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's why. Um, the ladies of the film, uh, man, sorry, I don't have the actor name. So we, we got, I mean, we did Sarandon a bit, but, uh, you know, Magenta and Columbia, uh, you want to give us a little background on them because honestly I'd been to the theater and saw the cast enough times it's almost a shock seeing the actual actors in the movie playing them so I guess oh. I have a bit of your cast uh, <laughs> ingrained yeah. in my head yeah no Patricia Quinn and Little Nell Patricia Quinn was Magenta and Little Nell was Columbia and um, you know they they are both like performers they've, they've both been recording artists uh, Nell Campbell Little Nell I don't really know her real name is Nell Nell Campbell, but she's known as Little Nell in the in the credits. I don't know what really happened to her. Like I know that she's alive and everything, and I know that she participates in Rocky stuff. She was in Shock Treatment, but I literally I, I have no idea. I couldn't even tell you what other thing. I mean, yeah, I don't know what other thing she was possibly in. Um, but uh, Patricia Quinn still shows up in movies and stuff. She's been in some of Rob Zombie's stuff. Uh, I think she was in the best one he ever did, The Lords of Salem. Um, but uh, they both do conventions and all of that still. Like, I've right. met both of them. And then the the actual Rocky actor here, I think this was pretty much the only thing he did uh, as far as film. Yeah, he didn't even do the singing in that one. It was somebody that else. Makes sense. <laughs> yeah, he, he's just a, a model they fired, right? Like, yeah. I'm well, pretty also, sure. this is 75. Nowadays, everyone in Hollywood looks like that. <laughs> but this was when you... It was like a lot of dedication to have that kind of body. Yeah. Now, but... Um, yeah, with the singing, just a bit on Richard O'Brien as well. I'm not quite sure. We're do Andrew and I are doing Rocky songs for a little in-between segments here. Mm. So I did the time warp, and... I, I'm, I hope I'm not a bad singer, but man, I could not hit those riffraff notes. I just had to like go an octave under. <laughs> yeah. He was fierce. That was that glam rock of the time too. You really had to have that range. Right, right. And uh, yeah, I was going for linen range, and when it got to that, I was like, "Whoop, nope, not even gonna try." So sorry, folks, when you listen, I'm doing my best, but those are some wild notes to hit. So the man did have some singing talent uh, yeah. while looking like a weird hunchback. <laughs> He's he's been in some stuff as well, like he was the head torturer in Flash Gordon. Oh, but you know his face in that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I guess yeah, I definitely, I definitely recognize his voice. I think he's been played a lot of like villain bit parts. Yeah. Oh, okay. Richard O'Brien. Yeah, he. Um. Oh God, what was that great one he was in? Uh, Alex Garland, I think was the director of that Dark City. Anyone remember? Oh no, oh, the that's guy. a big Dark City fan. Alex Proyas. He was the guy <laughs> that made The Crow. That was his follow-up movie to The Crow. 
Um, right. Okay. He's a, my, oh yeah 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 that makes sense. Yeah, my favorite was when he and Meatloaf both turned up in the Spice Girls movie. <laughs> yeah, you and I went to see that on opening night. I think we mentioned it last time, but whatever. <laughs> Spice World on our list. <laughs> Spice World's actually good. People. I haven't seen it since opening night. To be no, I might watch it once after that. But uh, there's, is there anything sci-fi about Spice World? Well, I saw the trailer. It looked pretty sci-fi. Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll bring you in for Spice World sometime. I mean, <laughs> well, I mean Spice it's World. World. It's like Dune. Yeah. Maybe I'll when Dune comes out, we'll do Spice World. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a good mix. Yeah, because we don't... Dune do Month, both versions of Dune and Spice World. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> tell me you weren't thinking it. I'll tell you what I want. <laughs> <laughs> It's astounding, time is fleeting, madness takes its toll, but listen closely, not for very much longer, I've got to keep control. Just a jump to the left, and then a step to the right. With your hands on your hips, you're picking knees in tight. But it's a pelvic thrust, the rhythm just insane. Let's do the time warp again. Let's do the time warp again. It's so dreamy, oh fantasy dreamy, so you can't see me. No. I guess we, we skipped one actor there. Yeah, the narrator, Charles Gray, did you say his name was, Andrew? Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I'm not looking at anything, so. No, but um, <laughs> I, rec- I think he's been in like some Bonds and stuff. I just reckon, I recognized him as playing like serious government man in the 70s. Yeah, so we must have done some James Bond or some Man from Uncle or something like that. I'm I'm going to go for a far reach here. Um, watching it this time, he made me think of the narrator in the educational film, The ABCs of Trainables. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? I've seen that because of you. Yeah, yeah I've seen I, it because of Matt. There we go. <laughs> anyway, I wanted the extreme insane close-up on, on Charles Gray, and we didn't get that. So. The problem is, because you showed me Shake Hats with Danger which is legitimately hilarious. <laughs> then you show me the ABCs of trainables where it's like, I can't laugh at this because their heart is in the right place. You're laughing at the, the, the um, teachers. No, not, but you, no. can't, you can't quite laugh at the teachers because they are doing their best. So then you accidentally find yourself laughing at the people and then I just feel dirty. No, <laughs> see, I, I don't like that see, one I'm, as much. I'm laughing at the teachers because I'm like, you know, like 
if I were in this situation, it, it would have been more depressing. Yeah. Whereas at least this is like entertaining. Right. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, Shake Hands of Danger is gold. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shake Hands of Danger, everyone should watch. Um, the other one is, you know, I guess a pick and choose sort of thing. Um, now I want to know if Charles Gray was in any Hammer movies, like Hammer horror movies. See, I want to know if he was in educational films now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> he'd be great for them well my theory in educational films is that they're so low budget and so just like you know shot prop mostly on a whim like like when you watch a Hollywood production everything has been thought about very deeply mm. this yeah. Rocky Horror included when you watch some of these educational films you're just like seeing the camera turned into directly into that time period you know yeah which I, I enjoy well so. it's like the thing with when you're studying history um, you want to read detective novels because they just hashed out really fast and they describe day-to-day life. Right. <laughs> yeah, a, a movie like, a low-budget movie, they're just going to be wearing what they wear. Mm. Hanging so, out where they hang out. What was, how, where did the budget of Rocky Horror range exactly? I'm guessing uh, it's on the low side. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, well, Fox was behind it, you know, and they didn't realize they were about to have a bomb on their hands because the musical was very successful. Um, they just, you know, obviously it... But I, I know that it's it's made a ton of money because it has played longer in theaters than any film in history. So, I mean, it had to have raked it in, you know? Yeah, it had legs, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's legs like a centipede. <laughs> in many ways, Rocky Horror is doing the same thing that Star Wars would a few years later. Kind of taking all these serials and, you know... 30s stuff and 40s stuff and I mean we got the RKO logo like we're literally climbing up it like you said it's the climax of King Kong at the end yeah. Um, yeah. it's the same MO that George Lucas would do with Star Wars um, you know George Lucas I guess just wasn't like as a LGB well I guess the other someone say that I've never said those letters together before LGBT T yeah yeah okay I read it all the time I just never said it with um with Star Wars, it's like it's a loving homage, but he's trying to repackage it and sell it as a new serious thing. Whereas with the Rocky Horror Picture Show, it's it's a loving homage, but they're also they're poking fun and having a bit of a laugh with it. Yeah, it's like his so personal it comes, fetish. It comes here, 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 deal with my fetishes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, they say that that set they were in was that place was just a dump. They all were super freezing cold the entire time. I would say because Fox was behind it, it had to be at least a million dollars. But if it was over a million, it was barely. You know what Free- I mean? Freezing set and they had to stand around their underwear. Yeehaw. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it was the place was falling apart. Tim Curry must have actually loved that green gown. <laughs> <laughs> I would say I'd, I wouldn't turn one down. Um, so I, I guess I should ask Luke because... Andrew and I are way too ingrained in this, but uh, can you give us your design impressions? What are we looking at here? Um, well, even having not seen the film, I was very familiar with just the whole corsets and fishnets thing <laughs> being what this film has. Um, but then, yeah, you have like the B-movie sci-fi sets. You have like the Bride of Dracula hair at the end there, the King Kong Tower. Um, you definitely... is, Although it is homaging that time period... It, it feels unique. Yeah. It's such a twist on it that uh, there's nothing else I've seen that looks like this. No, I mean, like, the the um, the science room, the laboratory, makes very good use of color. Yeah. Um, Ooh, like there's, like, a rainbow on the tank. 
Yeah. <laughs> and he's making like cocky gory, like shaved ice with the with the yeah. things at the top. So that's kind of fun. Um, I saw the costume designer for this film somewhat braggadaciously say that she basically invented the punk aesthetic with this film. But <laughs> she's not far off the mark. No, as well say, that's not far off the mark. <laughs> Even like the leather jacket with all the... Um, like badges and stuff on it. Though. Yeah, yeah, sex pistols. Sorry, yeah, they they were they were down with that. <laughs> Andrew, how much Rocky Horror do we bring into our our, our stage show? I know you uh, like to run around your boxers. There's that. <laughs> well, I also I also um, well when I was in the uh, that the first or whatever band it was where I was the singer on the stage, uh, I did perform in drag at least once, maybe twice. Yeah, I've yeah. got a, I've got a picture of it. <laughs> I seem to remember that. I, I, there were many of your shows I didn't make it to, but uh, <laughs> there were many I did, and many I was playing with you. So I don't remember yeah, who yeah. I saw when and what. So <laughs> you, you were in. You were on stage with me when I. I'm pretty sure you were on stage with me when I did the the drag one. This was I, more than once. I went Clash once, right? I think I showed up from Boy Scout summer camp in like a Boy Scout uniform and just played the show in that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> No, we we had we had trouble getting everybody else to kind of go along. As I recall, I was just like they they were like you just you do your thing, man. Yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> I'm pretty sure I didn't give a fuck. <laughs> no, you did. There was never any pushback from you. You knew you knew me better than they did. Yeah, I did the importance of being earnest. Uh, senior in high school as a play, and the girls had like AP exams, right? And the female lines were like way more in the scenes we were doing so we all just went drag for the importance of being earnest which makes sense so yeah i was i was wearing the dress of one of the female actors <laughs> yeah oh gosh we don't want to get into all the drag i've done since then <laughs> no i well, saw I'm just i'm just sending you away andrew the best drag i've ever done <laughs> oh yes, Luke show me his photo. He is uh, Mrs. Claus. I think you want me to actually post this with the episode somewhere. Yeah, fuck it, do if you want. Yeah, it's, I don't have a drag photo myself. I've done it, but I don't have a photo. Sorry. Uh, disappointing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll do oh, it today. God, I... Oh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> well done. Yeah. <laughs> well done. You, I, I think I saw on your Facebook feed you're going nicely burlesque uh, earlier today with the uh, one, some wonderful lips on a on a face mask. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, they um, well, you know, here everybody's should wear a mask, but they aren't, and that's why we are in the state that we are, among other reasons. But um, yeah, we went out and filmed a movie, and we we're all wearing masks. And I go, well, if we're wearing masks, we should, you know, how are the characters' expressions going to be seen? How do we know how they feel? And so they they each had three masks. Um, for um, for different expressions uh, that their characters would make Basically throughout the film. Basically, just did no theater. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. just before this episode, I saw your mask and was impressed by the mask. So uh, I don't know when that film's coming out, but we'll we'll link it if it's a a quick call. <laughs> yeah. No, it'll it'll be out this year. It's called Ariola Jones and the Video Vixens. All right. <laughs> Wait till you see the ending. It's going to be a, incredible. <laughs> So, it's never been done. There we go. <laughs> well, look, I, I, I might not come out with this one in particular, but we'll see it later then. Okay. <laughs> I, I, of course, filming takes a little more turnover time. Um, Luke, you mentioned the, the design here going straight for King Kong at the end. How, how did you feel about that? Uh, the, he also sung about Fay Ray just before that as well. Yeah. So I was very happy with that. I love King Kong. Okay, there we go. I just didn't know if you were like, ah, nah, don't do that. Or, yes, <laughs> hard on, let's go. Worse has been done to King Kong by King Kong itself. <laughs> <laughs> King Kong lives, man. I, I, 
There is not a King Kong film I don't enjoy. <laughs> it's not a good film, but yes, it's fun to watch, yeah. of course. <laughs> yep, yep. The, the bit where uh, the giant, the, the, um, the rope falls and lands on Frank, the audience is supposed to say, look out below, it's King Kong's pubic hair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're, to the listener and to Luke, you're, you'll just have to look up like a decent version of the script. I mean, that was one of the charms, like, this is pre-internet, so like depending on the theater you go to, it's probably going to be a somewhat different script. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I know in Atlanta, I think the Plaza Theater is still doing Rocky Horror at least up until COVID. Yeah, they were. There were there were a few in, in Georgia that were. There's uh, until yeah until COVID, there had no, there had never been it. There had always been Rocky Horror running at at least one theater, but usually several um, since it began. Yeah, I remember. Is is this the first time in forty years that it's not running anywhere? Uh, yeah, it's probably running somewhere. But I mean, there probably was like a week there when nowhere on earth had a theater running. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> no, I know. Yeah. I I seem to remember us having to like drive way outside of Atlanta to like the Boondocks once to see it, but it was still running. Yeah, we did. We went to uh, what's known as uh, uh, the Hilltop uh, Theater, and it was really on top of a hill. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Name it like it is. <laughs> yeah, but I, I've since seen it performed so many times. I've, um, I even covered uh, one place that was doing it at their local theater, uh, as in uh, like doing the actual show, the play, and um, video. Apparently, this is like a small southern town. Uh, some some video that uh, some of the performers had put on on social media of them, uh, you know, the, in the costumes and stuff, messing around. Um, the uh, local authorities got word and it became almost like a real life footloose because um, they shut, they, they, they cut off all the, 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 uh, the funding. It was going to be a locally funded, you know what I mean? Like a, uh, funded by the city, they cut off their funding. And so uh, they had to uh, raise money to do uh, the performance, which they ended up doing. And, and uh, I got invited to press night. So I drove like three hours, <laughs> but it was, a, it was incredible. I've, I've seen it done lots of different ways, lots of different times. Um, so I can't, when I think of Rocky Horror, I guy, you know, I don't even necessarily think of the film. Can't use tax dollars to push them obscenities. That's right. Damn, <laughs> you damn perverts. <laughs> nah, yeah. Yeah, I, man, I'm like thinking it would be cool to perform this one. The closest I got was performing amplified cello for Jesus Christ Superstar. But that was a, that was the uh, the uh, little five points with a bunch of punk rockers, so it was still groovy. <laughs> the closest yeah, the I lot... got was the third of the four times I watched Transformers 3. The projector broke in the last ten minutes, so I told the theater what happened. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best! <laughs> Let me school y'all. You'll get you your money's worth. They didn't refund. They didn't refund them. I can't remember if we got refunded. I think it was like you can wait till we fix it. But my girlfriend was like, "No, we got to leave. We need to like make the bus or whatever." Oh, okay. Because I remember people leaving. I was just like, "Okay, so right." Basically, he's about to kill Optimus, but then Megatron interrupts, and then Optimus kills them both. Oh, okay, cool. (laughs) Because I remember I, I saw the Prince of Egypt. And the, the, for some reason, and the, uh, real, the last real broke. So he missed like the last five minutes, probably including credits, but they refunded us. So, yay. I, I, uh, my favorite was when Stephen King's sleepwalkers had played Doraville in the theater and I went every day. I saw it every day. So by, I think Thursday or Friday, uh, my friends, uh, one of my friends finally decided to join me there and, uh, he was late. 
and uh, he, he he whispers, "Hey, what did I miss?" And I go, "Oh no, you're good. The body hasn't fallen out of the closet yet." And then the body falls out of the closet, and the audience goes, "Oh." <laughs> <laughs> Was that me? I think that might have been me. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. All I know I is they to- were they were pissed at me. <laughs> I seem to remember the body hasn't fallen out of the closet yet, but it could have been a tale from someone else. So <laughs> you do have have it of being loud and ruining films. So <laughs> oh, I told Luke the story of kicking the man's seat. Oh, go for it! You gotta tell it. I can't tell it. <laughs> he was he was kicking the seat in front of him. <laughs> and I got that from the title of the story. <laughs> and, and, and this man, this grown man there with his date, he keeps turning around, going, "Hey, man." Stop it with the feet. But he doesn't stop it with the feet. He stops for a moment and then continues with the feet. And the next guy, the next time the guy's like, I said, chill out with the feet. And then Dan, who is very confrontational, our drummer who was sitting with us, he goes, he's like, hey, man, just chill, okay? And the man goes, this part's not for the kids. The man turns around and goes, chill, I will beat your motherfucking ass. Was it the people under the stairs? Was that the movie? I don't know what was the movie. This was okay. more entertaining than whatever the movie was. <laughs> yeah, it is. I rem- yeah. <laughs> this is Restless, all I remember. Restless leg syndrome, I guess. Okay. <laughs> I think it was just you being an asshole. <laughs> Dick move. Restless leg. <laughs> Dick move. <laughs> That's a great movie story, man. I can't believe Luke didn't already know that. <laughs> <laughs>
Music, music, music. Should we talk a bit about music? There is music in this film. There is music. It's a musical. I don't like musicals. I like this movie. I actually do like musicals. Yeah, what's your favorite musical? Jeff Wayne's World of the Worlds. That's not a movie. That's an album and a filmed performance. I think we did that before. Andrew, you have a favorite musical? Well, this, obviously. Um, but I'm also partial to uh, Phantom of the Paradise. I also really love Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Also, that is a good one. Did we? Oh, for our old band, I'll, I'll be linking Sweet Transvestite, obviously, and putting it between segments. But did our Hedwig video get like copyright ripped off or something? I don't know. Okay, it's not there anymore. I want to see. I, I was wanted to rock out the wig in a box, and it was gone. Ah, oh, so, we did great wig in a box. Oh, there you go. I, I tried. I bought Absinthe and tried to and, and watched it once. <laughs> Absinthe isn't that. Fantastic, though. Have I told you about the uh, the Tiberius? Kirk? It, the, it was the drink that you had to, that people would buy you on your birthday among my group of friends. Vodka, whiskey, absinthe, and Red Bull. Oh, I had the Mind Eraser. Nice. This was at the uh, the Earl in Atlanta, and uh, Andrew, my mutual friend Mark, we, we had, it was my birthday, or his birthday, I don't remember, but I remember having a Mind Eraser, and then we're sitting out, like, in the gutter outside of the bar, and Mark's like, oh, God! His mind was erased. <laughs> well, <laughs> I handled it a little better than him. Our one like escalated because we got used to that version. So the last one was I think it was my like twenty sixth birthday. Double vodka, double whiskey, double rum, and wine. <laughs> but you don't drink now. No, I haven't drunk in it, seven months. And Andrew doesn't drink except that one time I made you a martini. <laughs> yeah, I've had. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yes. And I'm sitting here drinking Matt a too high talking you. as we speak. So. That's how we keep the restless legs syndrome down. <laughs> yeah. The Dude. one time we recorded sober was the most drunk Matt's ever sounded. So. That was space as a place for your listeners. I sound like I'm like coking out and I was like stone cold sober. <laughs> yeah. I think that's I think that's the spirit of Sunra. <laughs> it was. I'm excited about Sunra. I'll go off on that again if you want. But I guess we should go on about the time warp and I'm going home. Andrew, what's your favorite tune here? Is, is uh, it light in the attic? There's a light? Sorry, light in the attic. Oh, the on. Frankenstein place? No, I... You know, the the normal answer would, would have been Sweet Transvestite, I think. That one always, just to me, was just the most fun. I would always be so jealous of the person that played Frank because of how just rocking that song is. Um, but I really think science fiction double feature, uh, as an older person now, I, I really think that one's my favorite because I love all the name dropping that happens for those classic sci-fi films. And I've since seen all of those and I've got them in my home library. And so, um, I tend to enjoy now when I see a Rocky Horror production, ones that like lean toward, um, the reverence of the films versus the rock and roll aspect of the show or some of the, like, the glitz and glamour. I've seen some that really directly reference. And Fox did that when they did the live version uh, with Laverne Cox's Frankenfurter a few years ago. They really focused heavily. And, in fact, it takes place in an old movie theater uh, rather than a, a old castle. And um, they have the posters and stand-ups, like all this vintage stuff for all of those movies. And so when that song is sung in that version, uh, not only is it a great version of the song, but she walks past as she's singing about them, uh, posters for those movies. It's just great. Well, it's like, you know, uh, again, obviously there's a Ziggy Stardust reference here, but when you listen to that album, most of it doesn't rock that hard, right? I mean, it's right. into like kind of the balladry and the torch songs, and that's mm -hmm. something that Richard O'Brien translated quite well, because a lot of glam rockers, you know, just like went out and tried to, you know, punch balls with glitter. Um, right. 
you know, convicted Gary Glitter. I was about, I was about to try to make some sort of joke about glitter punching balls, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, they don't get it, so... You know, he's, he, he might have borrowed a template, but you could borrow a template. I mean, all these songs are good, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> well, that's the thing about Rocky Horror. You could literally, like, just go up as a band and play the songs and have a great rock set. Yeah, know? I was going to say, I don't even know why you're jealous of the Frankenfurter, because you did Rocky Horror on stage. I don't know if you've looked at that video, but, man, a few of the faces you made singing that, I, I've never seen you make them otherwise. <laughs> oh, I, I don't remember at all. Go <laughs> have a... There's um, a few lines, so it's a close-up on you, and it's just like, whoa, that is a... I don't... That's not a dude I know. <laughs> a sweet transvestite? Yeah, yeah, our last our last Evergreen show. That was our, our oh. punk band from the 90s. I was, you know, because I, I put that in between segments here, right? Oh, great. And okay, looking, yeah. No, I, I don't know, man. Video and look at some faces you make in there, man. They're, you're possessed. <laughs> I guess I just really meant it. Rocky Horror is really, personally, means a, a hell of a lot to me. It was, um, I could go on about about the personal meaning that it has, but it, Let's let's definitely say for uh, brevity's sake, you know, it's a it was a life changing experience for me to to discover that film in the in the context in which I did. In the in the every weekdays, our Frankenfurter was a woman, wasn't it? Um. Uh, yes. Uh, her name was Kim Newman, I think. Or gosh, I'm going to mess that up. Dan will know. Uh, but she was an animator. And a very accomplished artist in the cast meetings were held at her house. And when I got there, it was the craziest thing because I saw that she was great at drawing like Warner Brothers style stuff and um, Looney Tunes stuff. She loved all of that. When I got into her apartment, the first thing you notice is all the framed art she had of her own drawings of the Warner Brothers characters. But when you looked at them closely, if you got up close. All of them are in sexual positions with one another. <laughs> no, I just, I know, watching this time, I was like, yeah, there's Tim Curry. But, like, every time before that, I was like, Tim Curry never looked quite right, just because I'd seen her, you know, doing the thing in the theater so many times. <laughs> yeah, that's the beauty of it. Anybody can be, I mean, it's, that's the message of it. All are included, all are invited. I just looked up which pronoun I used for... Frankenfurter, and the one time I did, I used his, and now I don't know if that was right. <laughs> well, that's my point. We don't know if that's right. Yeah. He's trans. It's it. He. She. Definitely that, not it, man. No, no, sorry. That's why I pulled back from that. <laughs> they. Oh. They. I'm, I'm sure there's a special <laughs> word for that now, but uh, <laughs> which I would be perfectly happy to use with a transsexual Transylvanian. So. <laughs> no, it's mostly yeah. they if people are non-binary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, it's it's interesting watching it with a kid because my kid has watched it with me since she was a baby. Um, her very first Halloween, we did the time warp when she was in her. A friend of mine made her a, a female vampire costume from the Just Franco movie, The Female Vampire. She was yeah, just a few months old, and we did the time warp in the living room. She you know to this day really loves the story, but it's interesting to see how she will identify each different characters and stuff. And Frank is always he, no matter if it's. The busty Laverne Cox playing Frank, <laughs> you know, very obviously a woman playing Frank and Furter. She still says he. Um, Luke, what was your favorite tune? Tune? Um, I don't know all their names. You can hum it. No, I'm also not very good at that. But <laughs> the one that he was singing to Susan Sarandon, like "Wise Up, Janet." Oh, I don't know why that really tickled me. Janet, God damn it! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. God damn it! Sign the song is it? No, I think there is a damn it, Janet. Though. Oh, but Plan- no. it's 
Planet Schmanit. Oh, yeah, God yeah. damn it. <laughs> God damn it, it's not in the song. God damn it, she's a planet, not a damn it. It's in the script, <laughs> God damn it. Yeah. Yeah, I know I sent you my notes, and it was hard just not keep writing things from the script. But again, the longer you get in my notes, the less script stuff there is, because the yeah. less I remembered. <laughs> Damn it, yeah, Janet, I'm a doctor, not a planet. <laughs> <laughs> well, nice. Oh, no, it, it's called Audience Participation, and it, it actually began before it was even a movie. you know. And a guy named Sal Piro is, is well known with being the Rocky Horror like ringleader as far as the audience participation stuff goes. And uh, he actually appeared um, as the photographer at Ralph and Betty's wedding in the live Fox version. Huh. So it was cool. So Luke, you've seen the movie, but you haven't quite seen the movie. No. <laughs> That's what I say to my friends who just visit Japan for two weeks. I've been to Japan. I'm like, been to Japan. Have you ever really been to Japan? Have you ever really? Been to New York City, man? Like, for real? Once we've been mugged for a pizza. <laughs> um, when I was Have in. Never found a stranger in the Alps. <laughs> <laughs> when I was in the. Ni- <laughs> when, uh... Do you like films about gladiators? <laughs> <laughs> when I was in the ninth grade, we had a trip to New York City, right? Class trip to New York City. I re- and I remember the student council president, who, who I like. He's a fantastic guy. I, I still have some communication with him now. But, but in terms, the story is fantastic. He went out of the hotel. We were staying outside of, like, old school gnarly Times Square, right? He went out of the hotel at night to try and get a fake ID and ended up getting mugged. <laughs> <laughs> student president. Oh, that's a good story. <laughs> I should have been out on the streets with him. <laughs> he's not like he died. No, no. He, I should have no, had no. that with him, man. No, I should just have that story for myself, and right. that is like hearsay. <laughs> no, because if there was somebody, if there was a witness, you can't make up the story about how scary it was. <laughs> That's also the day I learned what, what fucking what dank meant. <laughs> <laughs> Don't fuck with dank. <laughs> There definitely is another subject we should discuss with the Rocky Horror Picture Show, but three cisgendered straight men probably aren't the guys to have that conversation. So. We'll, we'll touch on it, and we'll, you know, if, if someone else wants to have a conversation with us or comment to us, they can it's, do that. It's never something which I see discussed as, like, distasteful. So I think it is well regarded as handling subjects with that. Is it Frankenfurter taking too many liberties? 
Oh, there's definitely that, yeah. Okay. I was just thinking the fact that it's thrown around transsexual and transvestite a lot. And, but, yeah, the, the makers did that to express their own feelings, right? It's not mocking anyone. Right, and at the time... So if you did this now, it would be like a clear prod, like in a... Like a you know, political weird way, right? Yeah. In 75, you're just making a splash. I mean, you're making a huge splash because people simply don't talk about it. So, right, yeah, yeah, You yeah. know, you're running in a... Yeah, nothing a, exists in a vacuum. This, the fact that this was made in 75, it definitely is to be lauded. Yeah, you're... I mean, this is a, you know, a, like running a bulldozer into the conversation. Yeah. Now doing this would be like a, a prod, you know? Yeah. But yeah, I mean... Yes, Frankenfurter does sexually assault people. He also is clearly the monster of this film. <laughs> so, it's not like he's the lovable hero you're meant to identify with. No, of course not. Even when he tries to make up for it with his, his I'm going home tune. But <laughs> he ain't going home. But uh, no, I, I, I agree. But I, I have to say that part of when I say that it was life-changing for me is actually has a lot to do with that because, you know, as someone who was in their teens... Um, who I knew very few gay people. Um, I definitely didn't know of any trans people and didn't really know how I felt about all of that yet. Um, I never really thought about it very much. I wasn't homophobic or anything, but you know what I mean, though? I, I really just uh, had a friend whose mother was gay and had a live-in partner and a, a gay uncle. So, I, I, yeah, I knew some gay people, but you know what I mean? What Rocky does, um, if you are of anything that's outside the norm, uh, it does a wonderful thing for you in that it puts everybody kind of on this equal footing because we are all there um, for the same reason, that we really, really love this thing together. And I can't remember ever thinking, oh, this is something that uh, these these people here are gay, these people here are you know transsexual or transgender. I, I just don't ever remember that being a thing. You know, Rocky was, it superseded like all of that stuff. And so I never got this feeling like I'm not welcome or this can't be for me or anything like that. Um, it actually, it changed the way that I, I felt about all of it. I was like, you know, I, I became a certain that things like that meant kind of, uh, they weren't a big deal to me. You know? Well, yeah, growing yeah. up, I guess we had the, the benefit of growing up with Rocky as teenagers, right? Yeah, no, so it's now, a crucial time. Yeah, so now, you know, it's like, of course, it's, it's whatever, you know, so now when the, 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 the conversations come up in the media or whatever about, you know, trans gay rights, all that, and people getting all heated, it's like, why are you getting heated? It's just, it's just a thing, you know? It's like, yeah. hard, I mean, it's actually hard for me to get heated on either side, to be honest, it's like, go out and, you know, do it, right? Yeah, There's, what's but, the phrase from the movie? There's a yeah, be it what? Don't don't dream it, be it. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. And, that, <laughs> and that's a it's a great message to hear whenever you feel like an oddball, no matter what it is that you do, um, and who who it is that you love. You know, it's it's for the outsider, and so it's a way for the outsider to feel there's a place for them to go. And I saw what it did for people to be there, and there were places where I, Rocky may have well been the only place where some of those people felt they could be their true self or at least, you know, try something or see what something might be like uh, and find out who they are. I promise you a lot of people found out who they were through Rocky Horror. Yeah, because you go in that theater and, like, everyone there is 
freaking weird in some sense of the word. So <laughs> yeah, it's just bent and it's great being there. If if you wanted to be there, uh, I, I assume no one's like forcibly dragging you in. So you you already want to be there. So that you know is a certain mind frame. And you just watch the movie. If you're digging the movie, you're in that mind frame. You know. But uh, yes, being among it's it's a that's. I, I've said before I haven't been to any sci-fi convention, so I guess that was my convention. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, and it's a similar feeling going to conventions. I've been to many, and uh, it's a similar thing there. You all kind of, I, you know, Galaxy Quest did it great. They really nailed it. Yeah, sorry we didn't call you for that one, but <laughs> doesn't matter. We've called you for some other ones. Um, you wanted to talk about the Fox version, was it? Just a little bit. Um, Fox Television were doing live musicals. They did like Hairspray, they did Grease, they did a few other ones, just well-known musicals. And uh, at Halloween time, they got around to doing Rocky Horror, which I thought was wonderful because, um, you know, I've seen it performed so many times. I was very interested in seeing a high-budget, high-end Kenny Ortega uh, live version of it. That was exciting to me. I knew Tim Curry was going to play uh, the criminologist, which I thought was also really cool. He was there in that capacity. I'm a fan of Laverne Cox from uh, Orange is the New Black, so I knew that was a perfect Frank for a lot of different reasons. Um, but uh, I was really kind of disappointed at all the Rocky Horror fans who were fans of the movie that they just seemed to not want to accept this thing. And they suddenly started calling it a remake, and they referred to it as the Rocky Horror remake, and I'm going like, you, you're... You're idiots. Like, why suddenly after you've seen this thing performed hundreds of times by however many other people in different interpretations, why is this not on a, you know, why doesn't, why can't this be a check mark? Why can't this be considered one of them? You know, it, it was a, uh, it was really sad to me that a thing about don't dream it, be it and be yourself and include everybody. Suddenly it was this, oh, but not this. You know what I mean? It was a very narrow minded stance to take. I know remakes always light people up, but you can't remake Rocky Horror uh, any more so that you need, then you can't perform it. If it's you know, it's like the movie is a recording of people doing the show, and so it was just another recording of people performing the show and quite well. Yeah, as I so. said, be perfectly happy to watch our our old cast, uh, you know, preferably twenty years ago too, but uh, doing the doing the thing right. I mean, that yeah. would be equally enjoyable, especially if we got people playing the music, all that. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, the, the movie is just like a postcard, right? It's, I think Rocky Horror is supposed to be kind of like a living, breathing thing. You know, you create the monster, which is better than the monsters in the film. Yeah, it's so much bigger than one movie that was made in 75. And I, I'm, I was, yeah, that, that bothered me that people couldn't, that suddenly it was like, you know, there was restrictions on Rocky Horror and who could do it. And it just seemed really, really backwards to me. So I want to pose this one towards Luke first. Uh, you've just seen it. It's a 45-year-old movie. How does it hold up? Really well. Um, like, the sense of humor was more modern than I was expecting. The uh, just the style of it didn't feel... Just because it's so unique, it didn't feel dated, particularly. And it's a really fun film, and I think, yeah, that atmosphere that it creates, that inclusivity that it that permeates the whole film, I think everyone should watch it. Yeah, yeah, e even if you're a baby. <laughs> 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 Although I will admit, I, I have not played this one for my daughter yet, but, uh, yeah. 
She she's into the, the old demon slayer, which is pretty wild on its own. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I guess it's forward thinking enough. It's like, how did they even have these ideas in 1975? Almost. <laughs> yeah. That's you know the 70s were the time. I think they're the best. I think for movies, 74 is probably my favorite year of film in all to- of all time. But uh, it was it was when anything could kind of be anything. And things were there was a lot of experimentation going on. A lot of things were uh, permissible, and um, I agree with Luke. I, I feel like it um, it has it has aged really really well. Um, and but I also um, I really like it, framing it as a sci-fi movie the way that you have with this podcast because I really see it as one. You know, a sci-fi musical. That's really to me what it is. It's so informed by old movies. And the more old movies you see from the era that Richard O'Brien is drawing from, the more Rocky Horror just makes so much sense. And, uh, you know, the, the props and stuff, a lot of them were taken from Hammer Horror. Um, it's just, to me, it, yeah, it's a sci-fi movie, period. Yeah, I, mean, yeah, I, whole- I had a second, a second when thinking about this, like, is it sci-fi? Oh, science fiction double feature, of course it's sci-fi. <laughs> no, it's name-dropping, it's influences everywhere. <laughs> It's got a laser beam. It's a sci-fi. Yeah, lasers make it sci-fi. <laughs> <laughs> I remember my one of my favorite audience partition, to participation lines rather was when uh, you know Riff Raff fires the gun and someone you're supposed to yell, "Oh shit, it works!" <laughs> but but then but then he says a laser beam capable of emitting a well, was a laser gun capable, capable of emitting a beam of pure <laughs> antimatter, and you're supposed to yell, "Does that mean it doesn't matter?" <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's just a movie. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. So it's it's definitely one to dig. Um, wrapping up today, I we we brought you on here a few times, and I keep shouting Gonzorific, and we've already gone Gonzorific a bit here. So I don't know. You want to talk about your podcast a bit? <laughs> I mean, it's it's related to my my job, my my place of employment. Um, but uh. Yeah, the cinema one. <laughs> yeah, I would I would rather do the the Gonzorific stuff because um, Bad Girl Dracula is on Amazon Prime, and I don't know when they're going to pull it due to all the bad reviews. But my movies seem to have a short shelf life over there on Prime. Like Prime's like, here's your chance, pal. We'll give you a few pennies for it, but if these people can't stand it, it's out of here. That and means uh, it'll all be majestic in thirty years. Where do we see uh, these things? Uh, uh, Amazon Prime, of course, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, Prime Video, and I, I believe some of them are in UK and Japan. Um, I never remember which ones. I say that anybody that'll take it, please, you can have it. <laughs> but yeah, Bad Girl Dracula is the current release, and uh, later this year there will be Ariola Jones and the Video Vixens. And if folks want to ask questions about those, where do they go? Oh well, um, I do have a. Uh, a storefront, gonzorific.com, G-O-N-Z-O-R-I-F-F-I-C. And, um, you know, they can e- gonzorific on Twitter. They can send me a message there. They can send me one on Instagram. It's all the same. Uh, also, uh, gonzorific at Gmail, um, if anybody has any. Just don't send me requests to be a composer for my movie's music. Don't send me that. I get that so many times where people are like, looking for music for your films. I'm like, no, man. No, I'm not. <laughs> I, I'll, a, I'll I'll support you on that. Yes, of course. <laughs> as I say, not not only am I a musician and fully capable of scoring my own movies and have done it many times, but I also would like to involve my friend who's been making movies or who who made movies with me first before anyone did, 
um, that's my way of keeping you involved in, in what I do artistically is by having your name and your songs in those. Um, and then there's also Buzz Amato, who is an award-winning composer and one-time bandmate of Curtis Mayfield. We don't need your music. <laughs> We're covered. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so you can hear some of that music uh, at rovingsagemedia.bandcamp.com. You're hearing Rocky Horror music today. That's what we're doing. Andrew and I, um, uh, by ourselves and together, are blasting out a few of the tracks for you. Um, I'm actually probably going to just string them all out at the end of this podcast if you're, like, listening, which means I don't think this one could go on YouTube, but... <laughs> I mean, if they're your covers, they should be fine. Yeah, we've gotten ones taken down for that. <laughs> if you're too accurate, the algorithm can find it. But Yeah. Uh, how about Pokey Men? Get- Meanwhile, oh. the, be- the beheading videos remain. Yeah, really. <laughs> how about Pokey Men? Um, yeah, if you want to hear me talk about some slightly less... I was going to compare these monsters to the monsters in Rocky Horror, but I couldn't really think of a good line. I talk about Pokemons in my other podcast. You can find that on Twitter at LukeLovesPKMN. Do that if you want. As for this podcast... I was, I was just looking up what guns and films I can currently watch on Japanese Prime. So what are they? Underground Cinema. Ooh. With an S. Very Scary. Ooh. Pajama Nightmare. They've got all of them. And May of the Dead. Wow. Okay, those are in Japan. So if you are our Japanese listener listening to this English language podcast, you can watch those. <laughs> yeah, wow, I can't believe... They've got some of them that the U.S. Uh, Amazon kicked them off. <laughs> <laughs> Go, Japan! <laughs> Thank you. Anyway, this has been Matt. This has been Luke. And the dude on the Skype has been... Andrew. <laughs> How do we leave today? Um, oh, what was it called? The, the teleport Sonic... Oh, I wrote it down because it's like tra- Sonic Transducer because I think it's a Hawkwind song. Yeah, please Sonic Transduce yourselves out of our sci-fi sanctuary. <laughs> cool. Also, they talk about how he's got a Sonic Transducer but then when they leave they just launch it like a rocket ship. I thought it teleported. but It looked we'll like see. it lifted off and flew away to me. No, Luke is right. It totally just flies up in the air. Right. Maybe the Sonic Transducer was in orbit like a Stargate or whatever.
It sounded really cool. It sounded awesome, man. Uh, did I hear myself or something? I didn't really hear myself. Anymore.